Um, about oh, month, six weeks ago, uh, Andrew asked me if I would be available to, to fill in for him today. Um, he told me, he said, you've, uh, you've, got a, you've got a blank sheet. You can, you can preach whatever, whatever's on your heart. And um, uh, neither one of us took into account that this would literally be the last uh, message in our 40 days of, of prayer. So obviously I began praying, God, what do you want me to, what do you want me to deliver to your people that day? And um, uh, he led me to Psalm 73, so you can go ahead and be turning there in your Bibles if you want. But it's pretty cool at times to see um, God's sovereignty in, in the way he takes care of his people and of his church. Um, at that point, I had no idea that, that we would be closing out this, this time of, of focused prayer and, and God leads me to, to just a, a powerful ending in that in this prayer that we have in front of us this morning, we're given freedom to express what's really going on in our life. We're given permission by God to just pour out everything that we struggle with. And we're given a road map of finding our way back to God. Um, so this morning, um, we'll just jump right into it. If you're physically able, if you would stand with me as I read Psalm 73. Beginning in verse 1, says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues, their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. 
when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. That I may tell of all your works. Father, this morning we come face to face with your word. And Lord, I have to say that it surprises us. It surprises us, Father, so often when we find complete honesty. It surprises us, Father, when people are are actually willing and able to share the things that are going on in their hearts with you and without fear of you being this this mean, rule-setting God who's just going to punish us more. Father, we thank you for this one who, who opened his heart and, and not only shared with you, but shared with us, Lord, as, as these things are written down for us. So, Lord, this morning, knowing that, Lord, we are your people, but yet we still struggle with the things of this world. Lord, I pray that for each and every person that you've drawn into this place here this morning, Lord, that you will open our hearts, Lord, and that you'll help us to, to see that thing, Lord, possibly in our own lives that, that we're cherishing and we know it's wrong. Lord, help us to see that, that you're not unaware and that you want us coming to you with these things and that when we do it, you'll use your plan to guide us back to the place that we know we belong. And Father, knowing that there may be people, that there probably are people in this room right now, Lord, that this is the first time maybe they've heard this. This is the first time maybe that they've heard that, that you are a good God. And that you've paid the price for us in order that we can be saved and that we confess to you out of that salvation and not in order to be saved so often, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would convict those hearts and that you would give courage for change. So, Lord, I just pray that every word that comes out of this mouth this morning, that it will, that it will bring glory to your name and that it will grow each of us more into the likeness of your Son, Jesus. As your word has called us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright guys. Our truth for the day is this. 
This is the point that we're going to be proving as we go through uh, these verses of Scripture. Just assuming that there's no one here this morning that can't relate to this type of struggle. The prosperity of the wicked is short-lived and their doom is eternal. But the blessings of the godly are eternal, whereas their trials are short-lived. Let that sink in for just a second. In order that God can speak to your heart this morning like He's spoken to mine. Alright, this psalm is uh, it's basically broken down into two sections. We've got this man, Asaph, uh, who we were introduced to uh, a few weeks ago as uh, Andrew led us through Psalm 77, um, talking about praying in, in woe. Uh, we learned that this man was, uh, he was a godly man. He was uh, literally probably one of uh, David's um, head worship leaders. Uh, he would have he would have been like like Grant here, and um, again, a man who was searching to live the way God had called him to live, and and to live in obedience to God's word. But but like all of us, he found himself in a struggle. So as we begin looking at this psalm this morning, we see that the first half of these. These verses show us that we, uh, we are able to honestly admit our heart struggles. So we see him honestly admitting his struggles. And the cool thing is, is that he shows us from the very beginning who owns his heart by the statement that he begins with. You see, most of the time when we're stuck in some kind of hard thing and, and when we bring that hard thing to God, we... We don't go straight to the fact that God's good. We go straight to our concern, right? God, please help me with this. God, please help me with that. When all throughout Scripture we've been taught that anytime we come into God's presence, anytime we intend to pray to Him, the best thing for us to do is to recognize Him for who He is first, right? Amen? So that's what, what we see here. In verse 1 he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So if we just stopped right there with this psalm, we would, you know, okay, this is just going to be another one of those just great, awesome worship psalms to God, right? His love is steadfast. He's just wonderful. He's awesome. He's amazing. And all of those things are true and ultimately, that is what he's confessing, but what he says next kind of surprises us. We've got four things that, that kind of pull us into this point. And the first one is, is that we do see him admitting the heart matter. But what we find when we look into our hearts a lot of times is not so good, isn't it? In Mark 7... 21 through 23 it says what comes out of a person is what defiles him from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery coveting that's what we find here right he's wanting the stuff that someone else has he's not wanting to be a wicked person he just wants their stuff right 
Nothing wrong with that, is there? No, we can all amen and smile to that one. But he goes on. Wickedness. Deceit. Sensuality. Envy. Here's where it starts going wrong, right? Slander. Pride. Foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The other night we were watching TV and um, um, I don't know what it is about this, these reality shows or whatever that draws us in, but there's, there's one that's called Gold Rush. Anybody watch Gold Rush? I was hoping for more hands this morning, but anyway. Um, hopefully you can relate to this illustration. In this show, you've got all of these, these men that are kind of almost uh, pitted against each other to compete for who can uh, mine the most gold uh, up in Alaska. And you've got these specific two men. One guy's name is Todd, and, and another one's name is Parker. And specifically in this season, it seemed like this rivalry began to really take shape. And, and they're competing for who can get the most gold. And, and it's just amazing what's happening. I mean, both of them, is, as we've watched this show over the, over the years, I mean, literally they've gone from getting, you know, 15, 20 ounces to thousands and thousands of ounces. So, I mean, they're just blessed beyond measure. But, but that's not enough. Just like it's not enough for us a lot of the times, right? So now this competition and, and ultimately what it is is we come to a place to where we've got enough money and now it becomes about power, right? Well, we find in this, this show after all of this is over, they set these guys down around the table and they begin talking about these things and, and drawing from all the video that they have and, and they ask them questions and then obviously they have to be truthful because they've got it all on video. So once they answer, then they show the video clip. And there was one video clip that just really spoke to me this week that pointed us right to, to where we are here. In that video clip, you have this guy, Todd, who's their mining operation is, is mining 316. And, and this group of, uh, of guys has been very forthright in, in letting be seen that they're believers, they're Christians, they're you know, they're praying for things. They're praising God when things happen. And yet we still see their struggles. We see when things go wrong, they still get upset. They still say things to each other that they, should, that they shouldn't. But thankfully, even though it's TV, we still get to see times when they go back and apologize and ask for forgiveness. <coughs> and on the other side, you have this kid, I'll call him. He's 19, maybe 20 years old. And... He's kind of been born into this mining thing, and he's, it's, it's bitten him like farming and other things bite us here. And he's just the opposite. He's just this demanding, just heartless. It's all about getting it done. It's all about how much we can do, and, and he doesn't care about his people. At times, he has to act like he does in order that they'll keep working. But ultimately, he doesn't because he proves it in the way he acts. 
And there's this, this moment with these two guys. And Todd, the mining 316 guy, looks at Parker and he says, he's basically going to ask why he thinks that he can beat him. And he says, because we've got more heart than you. And that's not the part that really got me. The part that got me is the fact that Parker turned around and looked at him and said, what does that even mean? In other words, heart has nothing to do with this life. The only thing that matters here is getting, is having, is owning, is controlling. And it just, it was just, you know, it was kind of a wow moment for me in the fact that that's it. That's the, the struggle that's going on right here with Asaph and the fact that, that he's the mining 316 guy that's trying to do it right, but yet he's seeing Parker over here winning every time. Because you see, they're sitting at this table, and guess who won? Parker won. He's the one that won. He got the most gold. But guess what? Those guys that are around him, they're there for the money. When Todd goes back and they, they, they celebrate what they've done, those men really care about each other. So ultimately this morning we're finding the, this, this very scenario played out. I just kind of wrote some, some thoughts down here just to kind of keep me on track because obviously this is, you know, when you only get to preach a few times, you, you're sharing what's in your heart and i got to stay on track because I'll... I'll get off track. Anybody ever do that? Yeah. I like to chase rabbits. So, here's, here's the thought. Ultimately, what we're going to see played out in these verses today is the transformation of Asaph's heart. Does anybody want a transformed heart this morning? I hope that's why you came this morning, and that's what God's going to deliver through His Word. So what we see in Asaph is that he goes from confessing his envious, embittered, pricked heart which caused him to be brutish and ignorant acting like a beast toward God to allowing God his rightful place when he says in verse 26 that my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever so let's dive into it Asaph has said God is good, and rightly so. But basically, he's not said this in order to celebrate. He said this in order to, to come after that and basically saying, but mine's not right now. Next, we see that he's admitting that envy is at the root of the matter in his heart. He says, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For a moment, Asaph in his struggle to maintain a pure heart finds himself taking his eyes off of his creator where we are commanded, we're told to keep our eyes on him because as, as long as we do that and we follow his path, we don't look around. We're not even going to notice that other people have more stuff than us. We're not going to notice. But when we do that and, and take our eyes off the Creator and put them on the created, now we experience what I like to call a spiritual drought. I've taken my eyes off of God, the one who's promised to give me all that I need to live this life that He's told me is going to be hard. 
Now I'm trying to, to live it on my own. And what happens every time is, is this drought, which just means that I fight and I fight and I fight and I fail and I fail and I fail and it just keeps going. This week in our accountability time in the small group that I'm in, we talked about this for a minute. I um, have to ask for forgiveness from these guys because whenever I'm preaching, it kind of becomes about, about me and, and them helping me through this. So I kind of used them as a sounding board this week. And, you know, the, folks, the, moments that, the moment that we're saved, God begins this process of making us whole. And basically what that means is He begins separating us from this world and the things that are going to harm us if we focus our lives on them. So what happens, the longer I keep my eyes on Him, the more time I spend in the Word, the more I, I devote myself in, in prayer, the more time I spend here in church and investing in your lives and yours and mine, the more time that I, 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 I use the gifts that God gives me, it's like I have walked and walked and walked and I am, I'm so far away from, from these things behind that I, you know, I don't even think about them anymore as long as I keep my eyes on Him. But what happens is, is that we'll all have that moment, something will hit us hard, and we take our eyes off of Him for a minute, and we try to fix it, right? And it's in that moment that now I'm not looking the, the direction I should be, and now I start noticing all the stuff I left behind. And what happens? What happens? I want it back. Or maybe I, I begin wanting it for the first time. And then this envy, you know, this jealousy, all of this stuff starts coming into my heart. And, and obviously it doesn't belong there because it starts trying to take, take places that God owns. And when that happens, it, it's painful. And the more I allow it to happen, the more painful it gets. And then we find ourselves in situations just like Asaph. Where now it's to the point, I, it's, it's so thick within me, it's, it's weighing me down to the point to where I've got to talk about it. I've got to get it out. And again, this is where small groups, this is where Sunday school, this is where having relationships with godly people comes in because those are the people that we need to be going to in those times. Amen? But what we see here ultimately throughout this psalm this morning is the fact that, that we first have to bring it to God, right? And I am so thankful that what we find here is, is honesty. We don't find this watered down, God, I know I've sinned, can you fix it please? He spells it out. And I'm going to read it one more time because it just, it, it warrants our reading because it's where we find ourselves so often. He says, I was envious. And then he goes into the things he was envious about. They have no pangs. In other words, they don't have any problems until death. Their whole life just seems to be perfect. 
Their bodies are fat and sleek. And, and, of course, we read that in our society today, and we don't understand that. Obviously, you know, we worship the opposite nowadays. Well, back then, not everybody had plenty to eat. If you, had, if you were fat, that meant you were rich because you had plenty. So he's praising them ultimately because they're rich. They've got plenty to eat. We don't. They're not in trouble as others are in trouble. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. I mean, can you picture this with me, guys? I mean, we look at these people. They're all around us. And we struggle with this. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Again, talking about their bodies. Their hearts overflow with follies. In other words, they can do everything wrong and they never get caught. I do one thing and what happens? I go five miles an hour over the speed limit and guess what? There's Ken. <laughs> and he's in a bad mood today. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they, they threaten oppression. They're over us and inflicting their control on my life, and I don't like it. They set their mouths against the heavens. In other words, they claim heaven and this earth. I'm a good person. You know, you'll find them a lot of times they're giving to charity, they're doing all of these things, thinking they're earning their way to heaven. So they claim heaven and earth. And we know they're wrong, right? But we try to witness to them, and what happens? They make fun of us. Their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in it. There's that turning back moment. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? In other words, God, do you not see this happening? Why are you allowing it? Behold, these are the wicked always at ease. They increase in riches. And basically in that last line, he spells out what it normally becomes about for us. It's about the money. It's about the stuff that they've got that I want. Right? Now, you know, if you're sitting here today and you say, no, I've never had that struggle, it's coming. There's going to be a day. And then he transitions at this point. Third step in this is that he basically admits that God's goodness and sovereignty are what is at stake. He says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So folks, when we find ourselves in places like that and making statements like that, we see that what we're really doing is questioning whether God is good or not. Bringing us back to last week's conversation. And whether He's really in control because, you know what, God, it doesn't look like you're in control right now. And then we ask the infamous question, why do good people suffer and wicked people prosper? Why do bad things happen to good people? And what's ultimately the answer to that question once we dig into God's Word a little bit? Are there any good people? 
We're not. The Bible's very clear that none of us are good on our own. That's why we're brought to this place of, of realizing how sinful I am and realizing my need for this God who's created me. So it's at this place that we begin seeing the, the real reason for God even allowing me to go through this is in order that I may find once again how much I need Him. And that He's not this rule-setting God that, that's just waiting for me to mess up so He can smack me. He's a good God who loves me and the problems happen when I take my eyes off of Him. And when we do that, when we start asking ourselves questions like that, folks, it's as if the Satan is at the other side of the door and we just go open it and say, come on. And what happens at that point? Things get better? No. It just keeps going down. And then it's as if our pity party just gets, I mean, you know, we're just consumed with it at this point. Because it's at this point that we have to admit our self-focus and self-pity. 13 and 14 says, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Every morning. <coughs> Folks, when I, when I read that, I was, again, brought back to conversations from a small group and, and just hearing these men that, that work in these factories every day. I mean, I've heard these guys make statements like, it's like I get up in the morning and I get in my car on purpose driving to hell. <clears throat> because all of these things that we see there, that's basically... Subscribing, going, this is what I have to do today. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. And folks, to finish this thought, we have to bring it to the place that it deserves to be brought to. We have to confess the fact that it's Wait, let's read 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. We take our eyes off of God. We begin looking around at the rest of the world. Now my desire is for this stuff and ultimately to be rich. And he calls it a snare. You know, my leg, I'm caught in it. It won't let go of me. And I go into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then we hear this verse. And this is where you see that this verse came from the Bible and there's a word added to it that we don't use most of the time. It says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. And he uses the same exact word 
that we find over here that he's that he's pointing at these wicked that are oppressing him, that are prospering, uses this same word. So is it time for some good news? Yeah, it is. Because I think we can all feel the weight of this of this confession of his. And, and I'm so thankful that, that we're getting this prayer as a prayer of, of confession and celebration. We're getting this prayer on the end of this struggle with Asaph. So he gives us the whole story. So in the next half we see that he, he is honestly seeking God's eternal perspective. And you see, when we find ourselves in that place, when we get lost in the wilderness of, of just all of this stuff and wanting it, this is what has to happen to us. We have to honestly begin seeking God's eternal perspective. And the first thing that He teaches us, and this is just so awesome how God is, how He, how he makes sure that all the steps are in here. The very first one He says is, if I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. The very first thing that Asaph talks about is the fact that I was brought to a place that I wanted to go say it to them. I wanted to go to that wicked person and tell them how I felt about their whole situation. And I wanted to tell them that I didn't think that it was fair that God was allowing them to have all of this when I don't. But I didn't. And now that he's on the other side of it and had time to reflect back on what God did, he sees that that was a big deal. Because the way we finish this prayer, this song, is by him being able to go share all of this great stuff that God had done in his life. And if he had done that, what would his opportunity have been to witness to this man or person, whoever it was? So that's a big one for us, isn't it? Because when we find ourselves in this place, and again, I'll use this factory worker as an example. When, whenever, whenever we've had a hard week and whenever things have just seemed to be crushing down on us, and, and let's say that somebody in the church even said something that hurt us. And then we hear that conversation going on next to us where somebody's just bashing the church and bashing, you know, this guy, you know, he claims to be a Christian, but man, look how he lives. Guess what we want to do? We want to join in because you know what? It's happening to me too and I'm part of it. But think about what happens when we do that. We throw away or at least hinder greatly our opportunity to, to be the very thing that God's called us to be in that place. So he tells us whenever you find yourself there, man, don't run to the wicked to talk about this. Don't do it. Ecclesiastes 10.20, this, this verse is almost comical when you read it in this context. It says, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, 
For a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature will tell the matter. Doesn't that sound like a small community to you? You whisper it to somebody over in the corner and they already know it hardies in five minutes. So in other words, don't talk at all until you find yourself in the right context to talk about it. And he's going to show us that here in just a second. The next thing that he teaches us to seek to take time to think before you act. So first thing we do when we find ourselves there is we shut your mouth. And once your mouth's shut, now you can probably think for a minute, right? Because when that mouth starts, the thinking just goes out, right? We make a fool of ourselves at that point. Or am I the only one? Well, anyway. Seek time to think before you act. He says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Yes, whenever we stop to think about the mess that we make so often when we take our eyes off of God, it does. It seems like a, a hard, long road back. But the key is, is that when I do that now, now basically what I'm doing is I'm stopping and I'm thinking and now it's as if God starts drawing me back to Him. Now my eyes begin to open and see that God never left me. He's there. And he has words for me. And we find those in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He tells us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So now the question is, all right, God, what do you want me to do? I've made this mess. I can't clean it up. It's not visible to the rest of the world, but my heart is aching. It's, I don't know what to do. To, I don't know how to get back to that place where, you, where I feel your presence in my life again. He says, just stop and think. And then next, he says, seek time with God and his people. So I've shut my mouth. I've started thinking about, all right, what do I need to do here? And God draws me back into, into relation with him. And then he says, you need my people. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. It's at that point that I realize that everything that God has promised me, the main blessing that I have in Christ is, is not that He's going to give me all of the stuff of this world. The main blessing is that this one's going to end. And by the way, it's, this one's not very long in comparison to eternity. And I'm reminded that I'm going to spend eternity with Him. But He says the place that I need to go to be reminded of that is I need to go back to church. We remember Asaph was a worship leader. And this guy, I mean, he may have said, you know, I need a break. I've got to get away. And God's communicated to him. He said, it's time for you to go back. You need to go back to, to my people in order that I can bring some things to you. And you know what? It works every time. It works every single time. Now, it may not work the very first Sunday. 
if I was to ask for testimonies this morning of people who've been through this very thing, I think most of you would have some sort of a testimony. And most of your testimonies would be, there would be some considerable time that happened in between there. But it works. So this morning, if this is your first time either back in church or first time ever, and you came looking for hope, you came looking for, for healing, I want you to know that you found it. You found it not because of, of this specific body here, but you found it because this is, this is God's plan. This is how He helps His people. Whether we want to admit it or not, we need each other. We need each other. And unfortunately, we live in a culture, in a society today that, that, is, that is teaching us just the opposite. But I tell you what, guys, the, the more open I get with, with a small group of people, the more I share of my heart the less I struggle with because I know I've got a place to go where I can talk about these things and where I'm going to be drawn back to the Word and to prayer with, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it gives me hope because I know in that I'm going to be pointed back to the direction I need to be in and I know that God's going to remind me through His Word every time how much He loves me and what His eternal plan is for me, which, by the way, is good. Good, all of it. Even the hard stuff we go through, because you see, this very thing that Asaph went through, you know, God tells us in His Word that for those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose, He works all things out for good. And so often we're so dumb, we have to go through the hard thing in order to find the good. We have to come to the end of ourselves before we find Him. Which brings us to the next point, which teaches us to seek a biblical understanding of eternity. Now, folks, there's just a ton, obviously, we could go into. You start talking about the end times of what God has promised. Uh, we chase rabbits real quick, and they're all good, but that's not the point for this morning. The point for this morning is that that's what we need. We need in that moment to be reminded of who we are and what we have through Jesus Christ. In verses 18 and 27, he says, Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. Again, folks, whenever you make that turn and you come back to God and to His people, you're going to be exposed to the Word of God. And if you haven't read that part of this book yet, if you haven't made it all the way to the end, we win. We win. And it's not a gloating type of win. It's just a, it's just a win in the fact that even the way God describes the end times, even when justice is, 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 is being brought in as Jesus comes in and, and begins this reign, this justice that we've sought for our entire life, we get to see it because guess what? He says we're with Him. 
He does far more than what we could ever do. It says He is the just judge. We mess it up every time when we try to do it, don't we? He says be patient. So we need to understand, have a biblical understanding of eternity. And then finally this morning He tells us to to seek to share what we've learned. He says in verse 28, But for me it is good to be near God. He's come all the way from this place of God. Why in the world are you allowing this to happen? I'm doing what I'm doing in vain. It doesn't make any sense to me. To now. He's been brought back to that, that intimate relationship with God. And now he says it's, it's been good for me to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. That I may tell of all your works. This morning I've got to, I've got to brag on a man that's in our midst. And he's in my small group. Didn't tell him I was going to share this, but I'm going to say his name. These stories, these factory stories, all of this stuff that I'm telling you, these are things that, that he has shared over the last couple of years in this group. And, and I mean, there's there's been weeks that I mean, I'm just I'm broken hearted for him and for his family and the things that he's gone through. And, and of course, all of these guys. But um, this, this past week as we shared he got to share a testimony of one of those guys that literally was that he'd worked side by side with that was literally on his deathbed and he had felt led for a long time to go witness to him but for the same reasons that we all experienced fear that kept him from doing it and again we all have to admit that but this past week, God gave him the courage and he went. And he got to share the gospel with this man. And again, this man had seen him live, had seen him make mistakes, and, but had seen him write those mistakes, had seen him ask for forgiveness, had seen him live as a Christian lives. And he had a platform at that point to go and to share the good news of what Jesus Christ could do. Folks, ultimately, that's, that's God's plan. God allows us to go through these hard things in life in order that we, we see our need for Him once again. And then He places us in situations, whether it be in our workplace or wherever, where there's people around us that need to hear our story. Folks, I can't help but put a plug in for Celebrate Recovery in this because... <clears throat> That's all Celebrate Recovery is, is it's giving an opportunity for you to come to a safe place to share these kinds of things. Every single week, this is why we're here. A safe place to come and to say, it's hard and I don't like it. What do I do? Here's what God says. And we continue marching on together. So folks, I'm going to Conclude with a verse that gives us the anecdote. And it's pretty cool that Psalm 73 is where we find this confession and this awesome prayer prayed out. 
And it's in Psalm 37 that we find the cure. Psalm 37, verses 1, 3, and 4 say this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. And befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. We've ended right where we began dealing with the heart issue. You see, He tells us that we have to trust that God is enough to get us through this. We have to trust in the Lord. And then we have to do good. In other words, we have to keep going even in the midst of this hard time, this, this heart hurting time that we're going through. And then we have to dwell in the land. And I'm thankful that as I God brought me to that verse this week that I had already preached this text. So when I saw that, dwell in the land means stay put. Because you see, when we find ourselves in those places, the first thing we want to do is what? Run. The grass is always greener all the way around me. I want to run somewhere else. To where people don't know me, so I don't have to confess this stuff, because they're not going to know I'm going through it. But the very thing I need is just the opposite. So he says, dwell in the land. Stay put. And then he says, befriend faithfulness. Just keep going. That word befriend means it's hard, but just keep doing it. Go after it with everything that you are. Be faithful. Keep going. And then he says, delight yourself in the Lord. And, and as we walk through that process, I find myself in a place just like Asaph did where I can delight myself in the Lord. I can say that God, this stunk. I hated having to go through this. But if I hadn't, I wouldn't have seen you as the God that you are. You wouldn't have proven yourself to be faithful in my life. And I wouldn't be able to go and tell people about who you really are. The way that I can now. So I don't know about you this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. But you can be honest with God. You can share what's on your heart. You can share your struggles. And he, he wants you there. And hear that He has a process of reconciliation. If you can walk through those steps, all of the gifts, the great things that God has in store for you, they're available to you. So this morning, as, as we end our time here, God has done anything in your heart this morning. If He's drawn you to a place to where you want what you've heard, I want you to know that it's available. But I also want you to know that the enemy doesn't want you to have it. The number one thing that he's going to use against you this morning is that same fear. Fear about what people around you are going to think if you admit that you have a problem. If you admit that you have a need. And if you get out of your seat and you come up to these chairs and you pray. So I'm going to pray for, for all of us right now. Again, you guys have just had to deal with this uh, these verses for about 
uh, an hour. I've had to deal with them for about six weeks now. And I'm not asking for any praise, but I just know what God's done in my heart. I'm praying that He's done the same, so I'm going to pray for Him to give you courage right now. So let's pray. Father, once again, I just give you I give you praise, Father, for your plan. Even though most of the time it doesn't make sense to us. Most of the time we, we look at it and we say, God, we don't understand it. But we're thankful that you just tell us just to keep marching, to keep going. And to put our eyes on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. The one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. So, Father, this... This morning as we end even this series on prayer, Father, I pray that we've all learned that, that the best thing that we can do is just open our Bibles and begin reading your word back to you. Allowing you, Father, just to, to prick our hearts and to, to bring things to our mind, to, to praise you for things, to, to seek after you for Father, I just pray that we've learned a little more how to pray. And that we don't have to depend on our own words, specifically in those times to where we can't even muster the words. So Lord, I just pray right now in the power of your Holy Spirit that I know is alive and well and active in this place right now. I pray that you give courage to, to those, Father, who, might, who may find themselves in the first part of this message still struggling and in need of your help in need of your people so Father just give them courage as we have this time of invitation Lord help them to know that even though this clock may say a little bit after 12 God you're still on duty you didn't leave at 12 o'clock you're still here and you'll stay as long as we need so Lord we love you just thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love for us. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. But it's just an amazing end to what God's teaching us. And again, I've, I've heard from many of you and just, you know, how your, your prayer lives are growing and obviously that's our intent because we know that that's where we find all that we need. So, Please know that um, we're continuing. I think we've got what till Friday is the end of our is the end of our forty days. So keep keep on dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness, keep on keeping on, and we'll experience what God and God alone can can teach us. And so let's pray, Father. We thank you again for what you've done in each of our hearts today, Lord. We pray that as we walk out these doors right now out of the safety of, of this place, Lord. We know that the world's waiting on us. We know that all of these things that we've talked about today, they're out there. They're real. And, and we've got to face them. But Father, we, we needed this time today in order that we can be, be filled up with Your Spirit in order that we would have wisdom and courage that we need to, to do what You've told us to do, Lord. Keep our mouths shut when we need to keep them shut. And to, and to think to pray in those moments when times get hard and then to remember our need to just to continue to return to your house, Father. 
So, Lord, we just um, we love you. We thank you for being so loving and faithful to us. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen.